freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, this is episode number 136, the second hour of that episode, and our theme today is crazy. We're talking about that word crazy and how too often that is the careless diagnosis of mass murderers. And if these murderers are indeed disconnected from reality, how on earth do we logically think that more laws are going to curtail their behavior? Whatever their motivation, when these people have committed mass murders, they have broken every conceivable law there is in the commission of taking human life. Yet we hear the predictable pleas from the predictable sources to just add a few more layers of laws. So how do people on both sides of this argument agree that one more murder is too many, but stay so divided on how to prevent and deter murderers? Well, I wish I knew, but what I can say is that we are doing what we can here on Gun Freedom Radio to engage, educate, and inform to help unify through knowledge. And the more dishonest the politically tainted conversations become in purposely misunderstanding clear and simple words, the more measured and precise those of us with an important and life-saving message must become. It is up to you and I, my fellow patriots, to teach our children and our children's children how to listen carefully and critically, how to respectfully disagree with nonsense rhetoric, and how to become themselves the respected voices of reason and truth in this world that sometimes seems as though it has simply gone crazy. Well, our next guest is Yehuda Reamer. Our friend is known as the Pew Pew Jew and also the author of Safety On, an introduction to the world of firearms for children. A common theme on Yehuda's social media accounts is to remind not only his fellow members of the Jewish community, but also America at large, that we must protect our gun rights in order that horrific genocides happen never again. Welcome to the show, Yehuda. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, and always. And, you know, I, I hate to dive into such a, a negative topic, a, a sad topic, but I think you have so much to, to offer and to teach us. And so I wanted to just start with this horrible mass murder that we witnessed uh, in the synagogue in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 
And as I watched your social media posts in the days following, I kept expecting to see, you know, a post expressing sadness, a meme of some sort that I myself could share. And I know that your heart was broken along with every other American's. But what I saw in your post was indignation and anger and well-placed, I might say. But I wanted you to talk to us about that. Well, you know, I mean, I, I happen to be, I did post, I mean, maybe not a meme, but, you know, I did thoughts and prayers. And I know that in a lot of cases, people don't want to hear that anymore. But, you know, thoughts and prayers are obviously very important to mm-hmm. everyone's everyday life. Um, but that said, I, I didn't want to concentrate on the thoughts and prayers because there's so many people, every time we, we see a, a mass killing like uh, the one in Pittsburgh, you know, you're always hearing people, oh, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. But as one of the, well, I would say one of, if not the only or very few Orthodox Jews within the Second Amendment advocacy world, mm-hmm. I have been calling for Jews to arm themselves for years. And I'm not talking just about, you know, buying a gun and keeping it in your house. I'm talking about Jewish ownership in terms of carrying a firearm, making sure your synagogue is well protected and well defended. Unfortunately, people have this mentality of it'll never happen to us. Mm. And it takes a tragedy like Pittsburgh to actually wake people up and saying, oh my God, it did happen to us. Mm. Now we need to do something about it. And that's really where my angle was being placed was that why have the Holocaust was 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. Why have Jews not learned that you cannot rely on the government to protect you? I mean, yes, we, we, we know the law enforcement uh, out there, a majority of them are fantastic and do just amazing work putting their lives on the line every day. The U.S. military also putting their lives on the line every day so that we can live in a, a, free, a free life. But we all say in the gun industry, you're your own first line of defense. Mm-hmm. And for people to continuously put their their trust in their faith that the government will be there for them and not taking their lives into their own hands, it just it's so frustrating and angered me so much that something like this happened, uh, which I think they, they're calling it the worst anti-Semitic attack in U.S. history. Mm. And, you know, unfortunately, like I said, it, it takes a, a tragedy like Pittsburgh to wake people up. So what is it that your your Jewish friends say about guns and why they feel that they don't want to be part of arming themselves and, and you know, if, to me it feels like there's a disconnect from the Jewish history of the Holocaust that really, what is that, a generation and a half, two generations ago? It's not that long, like you said. Right. I mean, everyone has their own uh, their own reasons why they they don't want to. You know, a lot of the the big divide is you have a lot of uh, leftist Jews who are very similar to leftist non-Jews. They they're putting their faith in government. They think that government is the answer to everything. Um, and then you have your your, uh, your uh, the other side of the Jews. You know, you have your conservative Jews who are more attuned to the conservative mindset that, no, 
the government is not the answer, you know, we, we, and we need to defend ourselves. Now, that said, that, that whole mindset falls along the party lines of pro-gun, anti-gun. Mm-hmm. The left tends to be a lot more, you know, I mean, I'm not, there's not a blatant statement because I know, Cheryl, you and I, we, we know, I mean, we were at, we were at GRPC. We, we saw what happened with uh, some of the liberal gun owners there. Mm-hmm. So this is not a blanket statement on the left in general, but, you know, the left tends to be more anti-gun, the right tends to be more pro-gun. Mm-hmm. And in the case of, like, Orthodox Jews, for example, most of them tend to be pro-Second Amendment, just some of them don't want to have anything to do with guns. And, again, if that's the way you want to live your life, you're all power to you, you know, to don't try taking away our rights. But unfortunately, there, there's such a big divide. And, and again, I'm, I'm just going to say it again. It takes a tragedy like Pittsburgh to wake even the, the Jews who are pro-gun. It takes a tragedy like Pittsburgh to actually make them proactive and do something about it. And it's so sad that it does take that sort of thing. Um, and it's, it is so interesting to me, that the idea of having faith in government. One of my big examples and reasons and i'm a a christian person one of my big examples and reasons to not have faith in government is the example of what happened during world war ii uh and and how little by little the the government in germany chipped away and you know ended up having the jewish people turn in their guns and that sort of thing and then they were defenseless and there was you know the government could have done anything they wanted to them with them and and matter of fact they did um, so we are already down to two minutes. I'm so sorry the time goes so fast, but I want to touch on the GRPC just very quickly. You, you mentioned that, you know, there were liberal gun loving people in, at that event. Um, what was your experience there? Because we're always hearing how there's no diversity in that community, the, the firearms community. Well, I think it's a, I love going to the GRPC. I mean, this was my second year, uh, second time speaking there. And I I truly, I mean, I I love going to the GRPC for for no other reason than, I mean, you can have the media paint gun owners in any way you want, saying that there is no diversity, they're all a bunch of old white guys, you know. But nothing can be further from the truth. I mean, I was sitting right behind Kevin Dixie um, from uh, Knock Firearms, and, um, you know, you had... uh, actually sitting right behind me with Sarah Cade. I mean, you had such a diverse group of people who they don't care about your religion. They don't care where you came from. They don't care about anything except one thing. Are you pro or anti-gun? You're (laughs) anti-gun, you're against us. You're pro-gun, you're with us. It's that simple. They they don't see the color of people's skin. They don't see, you know, I mean, I, I... I mean, I know there were other Jews there, but I might have been the only Orthodox Jew at the GRPC. Mm-hmm. They don't see any of that. Mm-hmm. They, they don't care about any of that. To them, that doesn't make a difference. It's not going to affect their lives if I'm, you know, worship, worshiping my God and, and they're worshiping their God. No one cares about that there. And that's what I absolutely love about the GRPC. I mean, I, I'll be honest, it's with nearly the gun industry and the gun world in general. I mean, just on social media, I have tons and tons of non-Jewish followers who they don't care that I'm Jewish. I, I mean, I have non-Jewish followers buying my T-shirts that say the Pew Pew Jew on it. They don't care. 
they understand that it what it comes down to is pro-gun, anti-gun, nothing more. Uh, absolutely, 100%. And, uh, you know, I, you and I are a, a great example of that. We are the best of friends. You call me your, your uh, Second Amendment mom. And, uh, yep. you know, you are an Orthodox Jew and I am a Christian and we love each other. It, that doesn't matter. You know, none of that matters other than we, we love each other and we're on the same path to protect our Constitution and our, our rights to self-protection. Well, we've got to run. 100%. Please tell folks real fast how they can follow you and buy some of those. I'm, I, your T-shirts are getting more and more clever, more and more funny. I love them so much. Thanks. Um, the uh, Facebook, you can find Yehuda Reamer. Twitter and Instagram, it's the Pew Pew Jew. And they can go to the pewpewjew.com uh, to check out, you know, get signed books and all my t shirts and mugs and stuff like that. Love it. And keep up the great work. Thank you for all you do. And uh, we will be talking to you soon. I love having you on. Sounds good, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Huda. Bye-bye. All right. One of his newest shirts is a tactical shark. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> you have kids and you've been singing the, uh, the shark song, you'll get it. All right. Stick around. We have Rhonda Izell coming up, the president and co-founder of Chicago Guns Matter, right after this. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband and Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. 
Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our next guest is Miss Rhonda Izell. She is the president and co-founder of Chicago Guns Matter. She is a gun rights advocate and a defender of liberty. Rhonda was the lead plaintiff in Izell versus the city of Chicago, and she has won two federal lawsuits against the city of Chicago to bring gun ranges to the city for law-abiding citizens. Holy cow, what a journey that is. Welcome to the show, Miss <laughs> Rhonda. Good morning, Cheryl and Dan. Thank you guys for having me. Well, always excited to have a chance to talk to you, and you are such a, a busy woman, and living in a city that, you know, isn't particularly gun-friendly. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, and the fact that you had to file two federal lawsuits against the city of Chicago, just real briefly, tell folks, like, what is that about? So basically they said, all right, you can't have guns. Well, if you can't have guns as long as you're practicing at a gun range. Oh, by the way, there's no gun ranges allowed. Did that kind of cover it? Uh, well, you know, something to that effect, we didn't have any firearm ownership. So we had Mr. McDonald along with the Lawson State sued the city of Chicago for the right to own a firearm inside of the home. So, of course, they won that case at the Supreme Court level, but now at the same token, in order for you to have a gun in the home, you had to have firearm training. Mm -hmm. And the city did not provide a gun range for that. Mm -hmm. So I was complying with that ordinance, and um, I had to take the city of Chicago to court just to get to a gun range and comply with an ordinance to have a firearm inside of my home to protect me and my family. It's just crazy. There's that de facto uh, gun control that a lot of times people don't even think about. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, well, sure. It's like uh, in the movie Cinderella, sure you can come to the ball as long as, and then the <laughs> there's no way to get through the as long as. Uh, and exactly. So it's a false uh, promise, a false yes. So we have just come through the 2018 midterm elections. Um, uh -huh. Holy cow. I, it, things are a little wonky all across the nation out there in different ways. Uh, yes. Talk to us about the how goes the battle for our constitutional rights in Chicago proper. Well, Cheryl, to be exact, the entire state of Illinois now has a serious problem. Okay. It's not only in Chicago. Okay. The people here have elected an anti-Second Amendment governor as well as an anti-Second Amendment attorney general. Oh, my. And they have made this clear during them running for office that the Second Amendment was not something that they were willing to support. So when we take a look at from the top down, Mm -hmm. Our Speaker of the House has been in power for over 35-plus years. Uh, they gained about nine seats, which would give him a supermajority in the General Assembly. We already know that we will most definitely be in an uphill battle to keep the rights that have been restored already. Mm. You know, and that's why, you know, so often lately I've been telling people I am a single-issue voter. 
You know, it starts mm-hmm. for me with the Second Amendment and moves from there. And I don't know what if people were actually voting against the Second Amendment when they when they elected your governor and your attorney general. Or if it just was a happenstance, a, a, a ride along, you know, maybe there's other reasons they really wanted them. And well, you <laughs> go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead with your question. I'm and, listening. Yeah. And so, you know, you just don't know. Did people not realize how much they were infringing on not only their own rights? And if they don't care about their own rights, do they realize how much they're infringing on their neighbor's rights? Who could be someone like you? You know, who just wants to protect your family. Well, you know, Cheryl, the people here, they are a straight ballot voters. They probably went in there and straight Democrat. They did not have an agenda. They don't have issues that they're concerned with or they don't understand policy. And there was a trick question on our ballot this year. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, on the referendum. Of course, it's, you know, it's the two-part question. Uh, are you in favor of strengthening penalties for illegal firearm trafficking? Of course, everyone is for that. But then the catch-22 is, oh, yeah, but we want to license dealers on the state level. We all know that they're already licensed under federal law. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. when people don't understand, you know, what's really going on or they don't have a set agenda, they go in there and they vote one way because this is what they're being told to do. So, I mean, when you think about it, the state of Illinois, we had a new governor less than 15 minutes after the polls closed, election night. We're talking not even 30 minutes after the polls closed. Our governor had conceded the race. So go figure. But we had a billionaire that spent over $170 plus million on all these races, and he bought this state. It's just that simple. Mm. And what would that billionaire's name be? Uh, I don't even want to <laughs> say <it>. his name. <laughs> I have an eight yet. Please <laughs> <Not> don't. <at> <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's so. So we just have to keep our eyes on things, you know, and make sure that when the shenanigans start, mm-hmm. you know, that we get more good people to step up and get involved. New faces, new cases, you know, because it's going to take more than people in Chicago. This is a, a statewide issue here, so we have to keep our eyes open absolutely and what happens in one state will happen in other states and so you know we we've done what we can do i mean the gun rights policy conference was held in chicago this year put on by the second amendment foundation we were hoping that that might have had some you know impact on how people voted uh it may have but clearly not enough but speaking about the grpc we always hear that those gatherings are just a bunch of weird old white dudes in their 50s. They all have beards. They're all wearing camo, right? So, so you and I were both there, and we don't, neither one of us fit that description. Exactly. Exactly. What was your experience with the, not only the people, but the topics that, that were discussed uh, at the GRPC? You know, I I always have a great experience each and every time I attend the Gun Rights Policy Conference. And and thank you, Second Amendment Foundation, for bringing it back to the city of Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know, it was important that it came back to Chicago this year because, of course, we celebrated the 10-year anniversary of D.C. versus Heller, the Mm -hmm. 10-year anniversary of McDonald versus Chicago, and the 7-year anniversary of Isaiah versus the city of Chicago. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, when you come to a gun rights policy conference and you're around like-minded people and you get to sit and watch, meet and greet and hear people speak for the first time or see friends that you have met the last time or meet new friends as well, it's always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Although I did not get to get the full um effect of it this year because I was fortunate enough to have a table in the foyer so I had to run in and out in and out. It's <laughs> a good so problem I'm to, to have, attend right? the table and, and keep up with the crowd on the outside coming in as well as oh let me go in and take a peek and have a seat right here and see what I can see who I can hear. You know, so it's just <laughs> gonna take the the proper time to sit down and watch the entire recording of it. Mm-hmm. But like I say, it's always exciting. People uh, from all over came to Chicago, and I want to thank them for coming to Chicago, you know, because, you know, Chicago fights hard for the for the people and for, for this country. Mm-hmm. You know, so once again, you know, shout out to the Second Amendment Foundation. You know, it was pleasing to be honored as distinguished, the, the Distinguished Service Award. Mm-hmm. Had to get that out. You know, that was surprising. You guys did well with your speeches. I mean, it's just amazing to see so many women come out and and get up there and speak. Mm -hmm. You know, as well as the um, fashion show Mm -hmm. that we had there. So that was great as well. The Concealed Carry Fashion Show. Yeah, that was super awesome that uh, Amanda Suffolk put on. Well, we are just nearly out of time, but I I want you to tell folks before we go, not only briefly, what does the future hold for your organization, Chicago Guns Matter, and how would people follow you and learn more about that organization? What the future holds for Chicago Guns Matter is we're going to get with some organizations and we're going to provide free firearm training for people, um, people of the city of Chicago sometimes. Next year in uh, late spring, the ultimate goal is to work with individuals who want to bring a gun range to the city of Chicago. So I'm in talks with people who want to help build the first brick-and-mortar gun range as well. So that is the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to continue fighting. But they could reach us at chicagogunsmatter.org. That is our website. And they can also go to Facebook backslash Chicago Guns Matter at C-H-I-G-U-N-S matter at Twitter and they can reach me at M-S underscore E-Z-E-L-L Facebook backslash Rhonda Ezell. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Rhonda, for all (laughs) that you do, staying out there on the front lines and trying to keep our Constitution as intact as humanly possible. Um, Hope you have an amazing Thanksgiving next week and uh, just keep up the good work. You guys do the same. Thank you for having me, Shirley. And I will be getting out there tonight because the Time Project will be here. Mm. Uh, the mural. Yes. So Time Magazine will be here. I will be out there supporting our D.C. Project members. Fantastic. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. You're so awesome. Thank you, Miss Rhonda. We will talk with you soon. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, stick around. We still have Mr. Dave Workman coming up. He has worn a ton of hats, but... Among them, he is a recognized expert on Washington state gun laws, and those particular laws took quite a negative turn here recently in the midterm elections. Stick around. We're going to talk about it.
Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are excited you're here with us today. If you've missed any portion of today's show, please go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com click the on demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content all 135 other shows we have posted there and when you want to put a face with a voice click the guest tab you'll find photos and bios and links to every guest we've ever had on it's a wonderful resource and you know we don't hate it when you spend some time there well, our next guest is Mr. Dave Workman. He is an author, senior editor at thegunmag.com, communications director for the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, award-winning outdoor writer, former member of the NRA Board of Directors, and recognized expert on Washington State gun laws. Those particular laws took quite a negative turn for the gun rights advocates in the 2018 midterm elections and dave is here to help unpack some of that for us welcome to the show dave well thanks for having me it's uh, always nice to chat with you absolutely you're a busy guy and we appreciate when you can stop long enough just to come and help make a little bit of sense if that is even possible out of some of this uh, <laughs> some of this midterm <laughs> madness how, how did it all you're, you're gonna get me laughing so hard we won't be able to finish the segment you know yeah. <laughs> no doubt right <laughs> i know it oh it's awful we have to laugh because otherwise what would we do we'd just probably cry a little bit yeah well yeah uh i you know I, frankly though i think some people who are going to be shedding tears are not gun owners but the people who think now that after the midterms uh they've they've got the second amendment right where they want it and uh, even though Democrats have taken control of the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, the Senate is still controlled by the Republicans, and 
Donald Trump, the last time I checked, still had a veto pen. Mm-hmm. And that is important, you know, to understand how the balance of power and what each, um, what each portion of it is responsible for. I mean, the, I keep hearing about this new, in air quotes, assault rifle ban or assault gun ban on steroids, the HB, I said the, the number earlier and just now it leaves me, but um, it's going to, if it, if the Democrats could get it through and it is signed by a hundred and some different Democrats, then anything that's a semi-auto, anything falls under this this bill. And so yeah, I, that's right. Uh, in fact, that's really what the uh, the gun prohibition lobby was able to do with uh, Initiative 1639 out here in Washington State, which uh, passed uh, November 6th uh, by a, an uncomfortable margin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, there are a couple of reasons for that. One, we didn't get the voter turnout that we had wanted and, and certainly encouraged from uh, from gun owners. A lot of them sat the election out, and uh, which was pretty foolish because it was the most important election of their time here in Washington State. And uh, what what they did with the by by classifying every semi-automatic rifle that has really ever been produced, as, as you just said, mm-hmm. uh, as a semi-automatic assault rifle, this is going to affect everybody in the state of Washington, whether they're a hunter or a recreational shooter or a competitor, uh, because now that Ruger 1022 that's gathering dust in, in the corner of your closet or in your gun safer gun locker is an assault rifle mm-hmm. and uh, that I think is uh, certainly reason for people to be uh, planning to challenge this thing in, in, in court and you think that's probably the next logical step that it will be challenged yeah, or I just that it, it should uh, be challenged I know that uh, uh, there's a, uh, a lawsuit uh, in the works uh, I haven't seen anything just yet but uh, there's also, uh, and I wrote about it this morning at Liberty Park Press, uh, which you can find online. The uh, there are two separate petitions right now. One at WhiteHouse.gov, and the other one I think at uh, um, uh, another activist site. That, uh, in total, they've uh, over the course of about four days, they've gathered about sixteen thousand signatures. Mm. And uh, that got my attention. Um, although the the petitions themselves will have no force of law, it mm-hmm. certainly underscores the the concern and, and even some of the rancor that has surrounded this initiative. Um, and I, Cheryl, I think it's important to, to refresh the memories of some of the listeners out there. Uh, the Second Amendment Foundation and the National Rifle Association took this initiative to court back in, in August and won. The, uh, it was challenged on uh, state uh, law grounds, mm-hmm. and the judge in Thurston County Superior Court took it off the ballot. He said that the thing, uh, the uh, initiative petitions did not comply with, with state election law. Mm-hmm. A week later, the completely liberal Washington State Supreme Court uh, essentially danced around the law and put it back on the ballot, uh, arguing that 
they didn't have the authority to, to remove a uh, an initiative from the ballot, and that gee whiz, you know, 350,000 people signed the petition, and and uh, so this thing got on the ballot, and, and naturally it passed because you've got a, a voting block in Seattle and along the I-5 corridor in Washington State that's pretty blue. The rest of the state is pretty red, mm. so. Uh, unfortunately, they prevailed, but uh, I think court is probably on the horizon here. Well, that that is encouraging, but it, it's so frustrating to those of us that are in this battle all day, every day, trying to educate people, trying to motivate people, that it seems like, you know, you got 16,000 signatures on this petition saying, hey, let's go, you know, back to court or let's take this thing to court. It's like, were all those 16,000 people engaged on the front end? Why are we always, you know, playing catch up? It's so frustrating. Well, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's strange and a little bit alarming. Uh, since the election, I've gotten more phone calls from people wondering, "Hey, what can we do?" And <laughs> those guys are about two months late, really. They should have been calling here in July and August yeah. at the Second Amendment Foundation and the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, yes. or even at the uh, National Rifle Association, saying, "Hey, what can I do?" Yes. Uh, you know, the election's over with, man. You, <laughs> there's not a hell of a lot you can do except send money to the organizations that are probably going to be in court yeah. over this. I mean, better late than never, uh, yeah. but why Other would you... Other than that, I'm not sure uh, what can happen unless they take this on in the state legislature and uh, force a supermajority of the legislature to actually override the initiative, which uh, I guess they can do, but uh, that would be as rare as two sunrises on the same day. You know, just it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we have to stay engaged, and we have to be thinking forward. You and I both have... Uh, friends and associates who are um, they're they're liberal they're Democrat but they love their gun rights they value their their constitutional rights and so you know we've got to be thinking ahead that right now all right so the dam the Dems control the house but you know we still have the Senate that that bills have to get through and then we've got the president that can veto but They've already got this HB 5087. That's what a, the assault rifle ban, assault gun ban bill on steroids I was referring to earlier. They've got it written. They've got it co-signed by 176 Democrats. All they need, they, they can just sit it on the shelf and wait. As soon as they've got all the right stars aligned, that sucker can get rammed through. And we're going to be shaking our heads again, chasing after the bus that already left, going, wait a minute, what just happened? So... You know, people that just want to, you know, play that party line thing and go, oh, yay, I'm a Democrat, and yay, we're winning. Sometimes when you're winning, you're also losing. So let's keep that firmly between our ears. Yeah. You know, it's really easy to infringe on somebody else's rights. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm really good Democrats who are just absolutely solid on the Second Amendment. In fact, they're more solid than some of the Republicans I know. Uh-huh. It's true. Uh, and I, you know, I actually feel tougher for uh, the pro-gun Democrats these days. Uh, you know, they're good people. They they certainly understand what's uh, in the works. What people are, what other people are trying to do, and they don't like it. Um, but. You know, it's kind of a quandary for them because if they if they 
try to take too much action, they could actually be punished by their own party. Mm -hmm. Uh, And on the other hand, uh, you've got a lot of uh, people out here in the gun world who who just don't really trust them a lot because they've got a D next to their name. And and, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty uncomfortable position to be in. And and, Mm -hmm. uh, frankly, some of those guys probably have a lot of backbone, and I I give them credit for standing by the Second Amendment. Amen to that. Well, we were just both at the Gun Rights Policy Conference that was held in Chicago. I mean, the the Second Amendment Foundation put that on, and, and they did what they could for for Chicago, I mean, you're you're talking about Washington. That's one mess. Chicago's another big mess. <laughs> yeah. Hi, yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, it had some impact uh, by us all meeting there and and discussing our, our constitutional rights. But what was your experience there? Because you've been going for quite a while. Um, how does it compare to previous years? Is it growing? Well, I think uh, I think this year's conference uh, was probably the the best attended and certainly the most widely covered uh, by the by the public because, uh, as you recall, we were live streaming that thing. And mm-hmm. I talked to Alan Gottlieb, who is the founder and executive vice president of the Second Amendment Foundation. He told me that uh, the final number is somewhere around 115,000 people tuned in wow. to watch all or part of the conference, and that is just uh, amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the past years, you know, before we had uh, all the internet and the live streaming, all that neat stuff, uh, we'd get maybe four, five, six hundred people. Uh, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to eight hundred people came through the doors over the uh, the three day event. They were there for part of it, and they, you know, they went away, but uh, and they were replaced by other people, but. But the the idea that that was live streamed mm-hmm. and people out there in in uh, America could watch this thing unfolding in Chicago, which uh, you and I both know, Chicago is still behind enemy lines. Yes, yeah, and, it was uh, an incredible event. Uh, we we got to see some really remarkable people uh, participate in in uh, the kind of uh, panel discussions that really keep this issue alive and on the front burner for uh, 100 million American gun owners, which I think is great. Absolutely. Well, we are almost out of time. I just want to give you a chance before we go to to tell folks, I mean, you write for multiple different places. Um, You're busy in multiple different ways. How do people follow all that you do? Well, uh, they have to put on track shoes, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, the truth. Yeah. Uh, You can find my stuff at Liberty Park Press. Just Google it. Uh, Conservative Firing Line. Just Mm -hmm. Google that. Mm -hmm. I'm also an American Handgunner uh, Insider Online. And just uh, Google that one up, too. Um, I am the senior editor of thegunmag.com, which is in print and online. And you can Google that as well. Uh, and my byline occasionally shows up in a, in a gun magazine here and there where I do a review or a report of some kind. So, yeah, I'm a busy guy, and and one of these days I'm going to have to slow down and, and listen to the trees grow or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll wait for that to happen. But, <laughs> but you know what's it's awesome that you, you're a journalist. I mean, you're a trained journalist. You're a trusted journalist. You're not... Even though you love the Constitution, you are not one of these hashtag fake news 
activist journalists. Um, and, and I really, I admire what you do. I appreciate what you do. And I, I just really thank you for all of that. Well, you're, you're very kind. Yeah, I, I have a degree in journalism. That's the honest to God truth. And I've been in the business for 46 years now. Mm. Well, just getting started as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> thank you, Dave, so much. We really appreciate it. Well, have, thanks very much for having me. It was very nice chatting with you. Absolutely. Have an amazing Thanksgiving next week. I'm working on it. All right. Put your feet up. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye now. Okay. Stick around. We still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Commentary. Um. (laughs) Right after this. Crazy how you make it all all right. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment. Staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. Welcome back to the crazy edition of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, this is the part of the show that we get to celebrate our everyday American heroes that we honor in the Responsibly Armed Citizen Report. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Responsibly Armed Citizens use guns two and a half million times a year for self-defense. And 200,000 times a year, a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow, we never hear these stories on the network news, so we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. When we watch a Hollywood movie and the hero is facing a showdown with the villain, we tend to play along in our minds. We think of what we would do if faced with those circumstances. And those of us who practice and train for self-defense have a nearly constant loop of what-if scenarios running in our brains as part of our situational awareness. 
This helps us to not be caught off guard with the shock of this can't be happening type of thinking. While I don't personally know the hero in today's story, he exhibited just such preparedness and causes me to ask you, our listener, what would you have done in this man's shoes? Imagine that you were out to dinner at the Seattle Center when danger suddenly appears holding a bloody knife, having just murdered a 20-year-old woman in front of her five-year-old child. Danger is walking toward you, covered in the young woman's blood, holding the knife that he used to end her life just seconds before. His eyes are now locked on yours. He is advancing in your direction. But he might at any second turn his murderous intention to any one of the innocent people who occupy the crowded public venue. What do you do? Where do you go? Does anyone there have the liberty of time to wait for law enforcement to arrive? How many more might be maimed or killed in the immediacy of danger's attack. Well, thankfully, no further injuries nor lives were taken that day because danger was stopped by the quick thinking actions of a responsibly armed citizen. He had a knife in his hand. Um, he was covered in blood. New video shows the chilling standoff after a stabbing in front of a crowd at Seattle Center. Tonight, we're hearing from the witness who pulled a gun on the suspect to stop him from getting away. He just kept trying to, to convince me to shoot him. And I didn't want to shoot him. This is a live look at the iconic tourist area that turned into a crime scene after that horrific attack. Police say a man stabbed his girlfriend in front of their four-year-old son at the armory. And we have a live team coverage starting with Como's Joel Moreno. And Joel, you spoke to the man who caught that final confrontation right on camera. Morgan and Mary, I did. He goes by Frankie Dean. He's down here a lot selling CDs and promoting his music. Tonight, though, he witnessed a chilling crime. The police tape is still up here. And he saw a suspect who was desperate to take the easy way out. Wow, what a terrible story. I mean, but if he wouldn't have had a gun, would he have attacked more people? And that's what we don't know. He, and he, this is in the state of Washington, right? right the right. Seattle Center. So when they just tightened up a bunch of their gun laws and so... Would those laws have taken the gun out of the hands of the hero? Right, and they wanted he wanted him to shoot him, mm -hmm. but if he wouldn't have had a gun there, would he have just kept killing more people? Yeah, and the poor daughter, I, I just unbelievable. The child, yeah. yeah. All right, well, it is now time for Dan's commentary. Mm. Tell you something you already know: the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. Well, we don't have any exciting uh, cheers and stuff, but I just want everybody to know that Arizona has been named a number one again this year as the best state to live in for gun owners. All right. Yay. That's fantastic. And what do we do? What? We go crazy. Crazy. <laughs> That's and we, our theme. 
and we kind of elect Kristen Sinema as our new senator. Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah. kind of elect because I'm personally not sure she was elected. Why does it take a week to tally the votes in Arizona? You know, it takes a week mm-hmm. when all the other 48 states have the results at the close of the day. Mm-hmm. Something's just not right. Well, that's enough of that. I don't, you know, I don't want to go into well, it was conspiracy close. thing. We know that. Right. Anyway, Kristen Cinema, who is no friend of the Second Amendment community, could change our status as the best state to live in for gun owners. Cinema supports the following principles regarding guns. Maintain and strengthen the enforcement of existing state restrictions on gun purchases and possessions of guns. Now, I can understand maintaining, Mm -hmm. but strengthening the enforcement? Mm -hmm. Require background checks on gun sales between private citizens at gun shows. Require a license for gun possession. You know, Arizona's doing fine. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway... We've done it. We have elected a rights restrictor in our senator. So what's next? That depends on you. Sit there and do nothing or get off your reloading bench and join the AC, <laughs> AZCDL. That's the Arizona Fence League today. Hey! We're going to have to do something because um, we have to stay above the top of this. Well, we do, and that's the that's the danger of uh, politicians like the Kristen Cinemas of the world because it just sounds so reasonable, right? It just sounds so common sensey, but then you're like, wait a minute, why do I need someone else's permission, which is a license? That's someone else's permission to own a gun when we are Arizona is a real time, real life experiment in constitutional carry and being one of the few states that is as closely tied to uh, the Second Amendment as it was intended, and and we're actually doing okay. Yeah, let's remind our listeners. Let's not fix what's not broken. Let's remind our listeners that we don't have to have a concealed carry permit to carry a gun concealed in Arizona, and we have been doing just fine with it. Mm-hmm. And congratulations to Kristen Cinema. It takes a lot of a lot of effort to run a campaign, win a campaign. So I do want to congratulate her and give credit where credit's due. But I will be visiting her in her office in D.C. and right. part of the D.C. project, and we'll be talking about these things because maybe she just doesn't know. Right. Maybe and she's I, I'm not hoping so too. And, up and, to speed on you things. Know, and I don't want to call names or anything like that. I, I think that there is we could have open converse, conversations with mm-hmm. her Absolutely. and uh, hopefully um, let her know how the majority of, of Arizonans feel about gun control. Absolutely. Well, we've got to go. End of another great show. Thank you so much to our tech crew, to our listeners, to our guests. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. That just depends, Cheryl. (laughs) All of them, Dan. Well, we'll see. (laughs) Even the ones you don't like. Don't push it. (laughs) Especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week. And God bless. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability 
to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey gang, this is Masad Ayub from the Pro Arms Podcast. I'm here to remind you that our podcast is a member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. And I'm going to suggest you do what we do and check out the other podcasts at selfdefenseradio.net.